Well, Dad, we're here for another episode of Talking Church. It's been going really well. The last few months, we've set records and downloads, which is exciting. And now people have come up to me and said, hey, really cool podcast. And it's kind of a weird feeling. Um, I was talking to Tom, one of our producers, and just said, it's, it's like a responsibility now. And it's very, uh, there's a little bit more of a weight to it. Well, you're like the Joe Rogan of River Valley. Not true. <laughs> I look nothing like him. I And just, you need like 100 million more followers. I, yes. And- <laughs> few more swear words. I think I've only said one swear word in my entire life as yeah, a pastor's kid, but... I didn't mean in that area. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I appreciate the... that You know, a dad always lifting up his son. Not quite there yet, but it's been going there well. There you go. And so excited to have you back. And we reached out to people... Uh, who listened to the podcast and said, what's something that you'd like to hear about? And one of the things that we heard was, can you talk about your hiring process, your maybe firing process? And we've done an episode on staff development and the ups and all of that. And we have a whole staff development plan. But as you know, you, you don't necessarily get to know exactly what somebody is like or their work ethic until you hire them. Because right. people can be good interviewers or they can have a really good review or referral or reference, but you never know until you hire somebody. But I'd love to go through the years from when you founded the church and it was just a few people to now where we're at with you know so many different campuses and over a hundred different staff yeah. to what what have you it's observed from hiring, firing, and I'll ask a bunch of questions on the way. But when when you hear about that from a high level, what did, what comes to your mind right away? Yeah, I mean, I I immediately went all the way back to starting the church. Yep. And it wasn't like, who will I hire? It was, will anyone let me hire them? You know, I remember asking this one kid's pastor, I said, you want to come work for me? I'm starting this church. It's going to be great and all that. And he was a great children's pastor. And he goes, what's the pay? I said, well, there's nothing right now. We're going to get uh, other jobs. And then someday, you know, I'll take care of you. And he's like, yep, nope, not going to do it. Thanks for, (laughs) you know, I was like, and then I lowered the bar, lowered the bar. And then I basically went and found Bible college students. Like you've never been hired. No one has ever- They've never had a job before, so they don't know what to expect. No one's ever taken a chance (laughs) on you. And I want to, I actually think you can do the job. And, you know, so I did that and I went and hired people, anyone. And I actually kind of enjoy that. Now I look back, these are people that I hired because I had vision and they bought into the vision or they were desperate. I don't know. But after a while you grow and then they're like, what are the benefits? What are the days off? What are this? What's that? Am I going to get retirement? You know, all those other things that can cloud the hiring. But in the beginning, it was just like, who will come and be a part of it? And maybe you find yourself there, but let's move forward. You're like, you really need to hire somebody that that needs to join your team. And you said maybe they have great references. Um, I noticed that a lot of people had bad references, but they <laughs> spoke bad about their, like, they'd be like, yeah, don't, don't call that guy. He's a loser. I mean, I worked for him for five years, but don't call him. He's terrible. And he'll just say I'm bad. And so you're like, oh, don't call anybody. Um, so maybe that was an era. That's crazy. It was, it was a terrible era. And it was hard to get in touch with people and find out what they were like. Or you'd call and they'd say, he worked here from this day to this day. And that's all we want to say. Like, really? That's all you're going to give me is date range of employment. And I guess lawyers tell them to do that. But um, you were just trying to find people. And then I, I would say this, there were the biggest thing I think about hiring way back in the day I saw red flags 
and didn't want to pay attention to him because I was so desperate to fill the position. Hmm. And so I'd see a red flag and I'd be like, but it's not that bad. I mean, that emotional outburst wasn't that bad. I mean, the team can flow with that. I mean, we really need this person on our team. And so I, I think back to hiring and saying, you see those red flags, wait, slow the process down, slow the process down. And then on the other hand, if you don't see red flags, but you see incredible potential and you see somebody who's like, why don't I have this person on my team? Move the time frame up, go faster, find a position. I'll never forget when I hired one of the guys on our team. He's no longer here. He's gone on to be an executive pastor at a church. And uh, I, he was never been in a church. He'd been an intern. And I'm in the office and talk to this guy and I'm like, you're hired. And the current executive pastor at the time, he looks at me and he goes, what's he going to do? I said, it doesn't matter. He's on our team. He's got so much potential. I see where he's going. I want him on our team. And he was with us for like eight years, all from that one. And, and it literally was like a, a one hour meeting. And I was like, you're hired. You're hired. So when you see the red flag, slow down. That's my first thing. And don't be so desperate. But when God brings you somebody that, is amazing. Don't drag your feet because somebody else will see him. Sure. I'll never forget about uh, Ryan Williams, our worship leader. He was an intern and he hadn't been hired yet. And he's there and he's leading and the guy's just anointed. And I'm sitting there listening to him, to his, him sing. And he sang his first song. I didn't even know his name. I called him intern guy. I said, uh, Becca, I said to my wife, I said, intern guy's hired. He's anointed. He's so on our team. He's hired. And by the end of the first song, I was like, intern guy is leading our whole music ministry going <laughs> forward. And she's like, you don't even know intern guy's name. <laughs> and I'm like, well, intern guy is hired. And he's going places and God's going to do something. I mean, it was just a download. And I was like, he's in. What's crazy, he had applied at another church and they're like, nope don't want you. You're too edgy. You're too this. And boom, gave them the thumbs down. And I'm so grateful they said no, so we could say yes. Yeah. And that's a great opportunity and a great win as a church to feel that. But I know that as we travel around the country, we hear a lot of people that say that's their biggest struggle is yeah. finding staff. And yeah, one oh, thing is. that we talk about is you've got to be a developer of staff. But yes. For many people, it, it takes a while to get there. If you go back to maybe the beginning of the church, what are what's the first hire that you would make or or what if, if that's too difficult of a question, what would be some of the first few hires that you'd make around maybe people or competencies as you're just again, you're going, I have too much to do. There's too many I people know. in the church. Okay, I got it. The first thought was because I was a youth pastor and thought youth pastors were just so invaluable, you know, when I became a senior pastor, I was like, I need a youth pastor. I didn't need a youth pastor. I needed a kids pastor and a music pastor. I needed a personal assistant that would organize my time. And then I needed a youth pastor, but mm -hmm. I was blinded because of my experience made me think my former area was more important to the overall structure. Mm -hmm. sure. So don't be blinded by that. So if I could go back. Do you think that's because you, you're thinking, well, I don't want to do that because I, I did that for so long. Yeah, that, and you're trying to validate like, I I was, I was important. Valuable, I was yeah. valuable. <laughs> if you a church can't grow without a youth pastor, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it can. You know, so uh, but not a long time. It's going to need one eventually. But so 
I would have gone back and hired a personal assistant, which sounds so self-serving. But here's where I would say, a personal assistant would have helped me multiply my time. Mm -hmm. And instead of being one Rob, I would have been two because they make me twice as effective. And I would bet on two of me over one of me and one of somebody else in those beginning days of the church. Double my effectiveness. Help me to set up appointments. Help me to do this. Help me to get the errands run. Help me to do those things that are time wasters and somebody else can do it. And then I can go and be 200% more productive. So I know most people can't think that way, yeah. but it will make you more productive. And even if it was part-time, yeah, I would do a part-time. Uh, yeah, on the surface, it does kind of sound like, wow, Pastor Rob, you think you're really great. Or but- a virtual. <laughs> a vir- yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Well, I mean, you say, yeah, you think you're great, but you know what? Only you know your work ethic. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you're like, I know that if I double me, that's like, I'm, we're going to get a great return on that. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Now, it doesn't mean I didn't need those other people. But I was just one Rob for like seven years of this church. Yeah, I, I've heard you say before, like the first, and, and maybe it's, I'm, I'm butchering the exact numbers here, but it was like the first 200 grows because of you. Yeah. Then the 200 to, you know, 500 or 1,000 grows because of your team. Yeah, 200 to 500 grows because of your team. And then um, 500 to, to seven, 800 grows because you empower people to do like the work of the ministry. You're not relying on your team anymore. Your team are equippers. And then over that, it's, can you adjust your system? Yeah. Every 500,000 people, you have to tweak things, readjust the system, who reports yeah. to who, how we do things. And most people can't do it. The pain of change is too hard, Yeah. but it's you, your staff, empowering the congregation to do what they've been called to do and then changing the structure mm-hmm. so it can handle the new weight. Yeah, and before someone jumps down our throats and makes a comment, Jesus builds his church. We don't build his church, but we're talking about- Yes, we do. Yeah. We no, no, I know. as the I, assistant. Yes, but I'm saying like- I get it. It's like- It's his church. We don't build, yeah. I just, sometimes, you know, social media as it, as it goes. <laughs> Continuing on the path, um, as, as you grow as a church, now now you're you, you mentioned at an event recently. There's a certain size you get to that's maybe the most dangerous size to where you start getting inward focused. Talk about that. Well, two hundred and one thousand. 200 is that size where you're able to hire another staff member. So you're doing your stuff. Another staff member is doing their thing, that stuff you don't want to do anymore. You probably have somebody that's handling phones and maybe personal assistant. Uh, somebody else is cleaning the church. You're not You're not dealing with this anymore. And it's a great spot to go, you know what? We work so hard to get here. I'm getting paid. I don't have to do this stuff I don't like to do. I like this. I am just going to really just focus in on just chilling and enjoying. That's a dangerous spot. And you know everybody's name. And it's 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 good to be needed. And, and so it's a dangerous spot. Thousand is a different answer. Thousand is a dangerous spot because that's where pride can kick in. For some reason, a thousand sounds like a giant church. And it is big. It's very big. But when people get to a thousand, they're like, how big is your church? It's a thousand. It's never, never 950, 970, whatever. It's a thousand, or it's about a thousand, or it's almost a thousand. And there's something that's prideful about that number that can get you to rest again. And 
the 200 makes you say, I'm going to take it easy. 1000 makes you say, I'm going to get what I deserve mm. and I need to be taken care of. Dangerous, terrible spot. Yeah. Cause going back to what you said, it's his church. We're building yeah. it for his glory. And he didn't say get to a thousand and stop. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Maybe a better way I could have said that was we are building his church. We're not building our uh-huh. church, but um, shifting gears yeah. to the other side. Firing. Yeah. Oh, well, wait, wait, wait. Okay. You said developing. All right. You got to develop people. Yes. And if you can't develop people, get around somebody that develops them and take their casts off. You know, like seriously, you think about people that are in an internship program and I did this multiple times. So I'm telling people this secret. I would hire people that were like two or three rungs down. Like, okay, Kirk Graham, who's on our team. Kirk Graham was the assistant worship leader in the youth ministry at a church in Texas. I'm like, you are down the food chain. And I called their their pastor and I said, listen, we need a a music pastor and we want to hire Kirk and we want to bring him all the way up to Sunday service church. It's not the assistant to the assistant in the youth group. We really need him. Can I have your permission? Like it's a major promotion. And he's like, you have our permission. And so you look at a church that has maybe a third tier down that somebody that's part-time and you say, I want to maybe bring them in at full-time. Sure. Now I think it's wrong to go part-time to part, kind of like the NFL, you know, like you can't become a, a quality control assistant here. And then they hire you to be a quality control assistant. You know, if you're a quality control assistant, they have to hire you to be defensive coordinator, you know, yeah. give you a promotion. And so, especially if you're still in the role. Right. Yeah. So our thing would be, look at other, develop what you can mm-hmm. and then look for people's cast-offs and then also look at their second or third rung down and see if they have the potential to become a first rung leader at your place. Yeah, All right, maybe, now we can talk about firing yeah, people because you know how much I love that. <laughs> Not. Whatever. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I imagine that there's people on our team that are going to get emails. Hey, what? where are you at on the journey? You can't hire Josh. He's he's on our team. Um, but uh, And remember I said you call and yes, ask permission. Yeah, yeah, ask permission. But Don't we do have interns out. and other Don't people that out. are love to get there. But anyways, moving to firing, uh, talk about the first person that you ever tried to fire. Well, I don't want to say the person's name. No, 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 not the person's name, but talk about that experience. (laughs) Uh, I'd exhausted all the opportunities that I had for this person. And I had put him in a position after position. And when I went to let him go, um, I got done in the meeting and Becca says, how did it go? And I said, not like I thought. And she goes, why? I said, well, I kept him and I gave him a raise. And she's like, what? I mean, I actually was trying to let him go. And I kept him in game. I gave him a new position. I felt uh, humanity. I was like, oh, I can't do this. What will he do? He's sad. He's like getting weepy. And I was like, oh, yeah, we'll keep you. And I'll just put you over there. And and he's like, that probably pays more, doesn't it? I'm like, yeah, it does. And I just, oh. Gotcha. <laughs> so I hadn't fully like worked through like letting people go because when you're small, everybody's like your friend. And church is way different than the marketplace. Mm-hmm. In the marketplace, if let's use Target, giant corporation. If Target fires an accountant in their accounting department, like the accountant's kids don't go to school, like with the CEO's kids and this, like it's a big organization. Maybe by chance there's a few overlap, sure. but it's not community. It's a job. It's in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. But when you let go of somebody here, their spouse, 
goes to the Bible study with your spouse. Their mm-hmm. kids are in kids' church with your kids. Yeah, they're maybe they, given to kingdom builders. And yeah. They, yeah. They got saved in your church. You, yes. Yeah. So there's, so it's way harder, mm-hmm. way, way harder. But I hadn't worked through that. Like, how am I going to lead a church and still be family, but have to make the tough calls mm-hmm. that, you know, we're not kicking you out of the family. We're just saying you're not getting paid to be here anymore. Sure. You can stay in this family, in this church. You probably don't want to, you know, and 80% didn't. Yeah, but sometimes they do. But sometimes they do. And so we're not kicking you out of the family. We're just not paying you to be in the family Mm -hmm. anymore. And so I had to work out that. Then I had to realize, wait, if I let them go, what are they going to do? How are they going to take care of themselves? And God brought me to Genesis where Abraham kicks out Hagar and Ishmael and God says, I see you. That's where God reveals himself to Hagar as I am the God that sees you. And I know it's a weird story, but God just gave me comfort. Like Abraham kicked Hagar and Ishmael out and I took care of them. I'm their source. Mm-hmm. I see them. And he spoke to me, you're not the source of anyone that works there. They are there with you. You are paying them for them to be there, but you are not their source. I've always been their source. And when they leave here, I will be their source. Yeah. And you don't have to be God. You have to be Rob. Let me be God and you be Rob. Mm-hmm. That just set me free. That I realized like I wasn't their source because I actually thought like, what will they do if they don't? I, I, I've been paying them. I, I've been taking care of them. I've been mm-hmm. cutting them a check. No, I've, I, I did those things, but I was not their source. Mm-hmm. God was. That set me free there. Um Boy, it just makes me think of so many things. The hardest people to fire or get off your team are ones that are doing a good job but aren't doing a great job. Yeah, and they're probably well liked, you know, overall and as people, maybe yeah. not professionally, but just as people, they're good people. Yeah. I forget the book, but I read a book by the guy that was it, the guy that founded Shake Shack and all those restaurants in New York. Danny Meyer, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's his name. Yeah. And he talked about like getting rid of tweeners. He said there's exceptional people and then there's like people you can't stand. The easy fires. The easy fires. And then the tweeners. And he's like, get rid of the tweeners Mm. because they're keeping you from hiring an exceptional person. Mm. And I was like, oh, you just see all these things, but you don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, and so, and then you start saying all the excuses why it'll never work in your place. Like, you know, people say like, well, we're in Minneapolis and we've had terrible things on our streets and that's bad. So people don't want to move here and it's cold. And then, you know, da, 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 da. you yeah. start excusing away. You know what? No, we've got vision. We're going to change the world. Yep. It's Minneapolis. Take a vacation in the winter. Let's go. Let's change yeah. the world. Over, over the years, was, is there ever a time you regretted letting someone go? I'm going to say for sure. Yes. Um, and like, I would say there were sad endings where I didn't want it to have to happen that way. And I wished them well that they would do amazing outside of it. Yeah. So there's been those sad endings. Um, there were people that I tried to save, but the team overwhelmingly was like, you can't save them. If you save them, you don't save us. And I'm reminded of the story of David 
when Absalom dies and he's like, oh, Absalom, Absalom. And his, his mighty man comes to him and says, listen, if you keep weeping for Absalom, the people that mm-hmm. gave their life to fight for yeah, you. Yeah, they're still on your team. They're on your team. And if you don't love your team more than you love who was actually trying to hurt you, yeah. your team's done. Yeah, You better get down there and you better thank your team for saving your life. Mm-hmm. That story has made me realize there are people we've got to say goodbye to and I'm not being mean to them. It's just God has given me a team that's saving our life, that's building this church. And sometimes when you part ways, you got to say, go find your new team. And I'm sad that we lost you. I'm sad that it ended that way. I wish you no ill. I wish you no harm. I wish you nothing but good. Uh, Outdo uh, whatever you thought you had and do more than what you thought. Uh, But we, I, I have to love my team. So there's been people I wanted to save. There's been people I've wanted to work and give a, a tenth try. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for yeah. what do you think are those things that you know? Because on on some respects, you have people who work with them every day versus you maybe don't see them as frequently. The larger the organization gets, but when maybe you have a good gauge on where the situation is at, what are things that can be improved over time. Obviously, there's a certain period that just if it doesn't improve. But what are things that are, this can't be improved. I'm, I'm kind of trying to distinguish between what is something that we can help someone grow in that they're going to be a, still a valuable member of the team versus what is the point where they've reached their ceiling, yeah, it's yeah. time to go. Well, here's what I'd say right off the bat is give quicker feedback. Most people will do something and they won't do the right thing. And then you don't give them feedback. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they're out. And I, I'll, I'll use Josh for an example, because you said you can't hire Josh, but it was, Josh is in the room. Josh with is us, in the room with us. Notes. He's off camera and off, you know, but uh, we were doing our generosity accelerators. Mm-hmm. Okay. And after one of the breaks, it didn't go the way that I wanted it. And like, I'm like, here's what your job is. And I went, Josh, this is what I need you to do from now on this. And, and he's like, got it. Now, when it comes to that, I, I barely get off the stage and he's like, <laughs> like right there. You underestimate my sneakiness. I'm right here. You know, yeah, he's right there. Okay. All it took was one little conversation yeah. and he started doing the thing I needed him to do. Okay. A lot of people are like, oh, he's not doing it. And then you never say anything. You yeah. never help them get better. Yeah. Help them get better. Tell them what's going on. So that's the first thing. Give quicker feedback and don't wait for an annual review. Like for the last year, you've been doing this wrong and it yeah. really chapped me. You know, like yeah. don't do that. Tell them right away mm-hmm. and they can fix and I, I'll never forget, um, I won't go into who all it was, but I was really irate with some of our team. They had dropped the ball. And I was like, going into them. And I said, and be thankful that I'm angry at you and I'm telling you what you can fix. Because if I was silent, that would mean I think you can't get better. Because if a leader doesn't think you're going to get better, they won't even bother correcting you. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to tell them, you understand, like even me giving you this feedback, I think you can get better. Yeah. So you give them feedback. And I think people can get better in so many things. Probably the biggest thing that I've noticed is sometimes if they have an internal um, personality or character quality that is lacking, it's really hard to develop that. Like, you know, I can get you here earlier. I can get you to be more attentive. I can get you to be more energetic. There's a lot of things I can get you to do. But if I say like, hey, God, God's on the throne and, and he's going to make a way. And you're like, no, he's not. Yeah. You know, if that's just you and your default setting is negative, bad, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how I can get out of you 
what your teacher put in you, your dad, mom put in you, years of being beat down have done. Yeah. But, you know, there are little things that I believe people can improve. And I've said this before, when you're when God gives you somebody on your team, it's your job to make them like two steps better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you had a one to 10 scale and God gives you a four, make them a six. God gives you six, make them an eight. If God gives you seven, make them a nine. You understand? Yeah. Make them two steps better. You can't make a four into a 10 usually, but you can make a four into a six. Yeah. So make them better and say, what can I do? And then remind yourself, why'd you hire the person? What potential did you see in them? And then help them get better. Yeah. Um, can I tell you another trap that leaders have? You think everybody knows what you know. You yeah, do. Yeah, you start true. thinking you. They know what you know. They don't. Mm-hmm. You think they heard every sermon you heard. They haven't. <laughs> every you, book you've read. Right. Every, yeah. You just forget. Like no, they don't. And and I I you know I'll ask you know my wife I'll say like, did you see what Elon Musk said? And she's like, nope, no clue, not a clue. <laughs> Didn't even pay attention. I'm like, this is what he said. You know, or like, did you see what they said in the politics? Nope, no yeah. clue. Hey, did you have you read this book here? No, haven't read it. No clue, not a clue. Yeah. Most people don't know what you know, and you think they do. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't. And so keep saying things, and you'd rather have people go, yes, yes, Grandpa, we know that story <laughs> when you were a yeah, kid. Yeah. You did it. You, you'd rather have them do that yeah. than not know what they yeah, need to know. Totally. As we finish this episode, obviously kind of a quick hiring, firing. There's so much more we could talk about, but what would be maybe – your last bit of advice for somebody who maybe is in the situation where they're saying, I'm wondering if that's the hire I should make, or I'm wondering if I should let that team member go. Is let me any- do the firing because people ask more questions okay. about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to talk about gracious firing, graciously letting yep. people go. Um, remember, okay, first of all, everyone in your church is loved by somebody. So if you cut them loose, somebody's going to quit or be angry or yeah. cause a problem. Yeah. I don't even they care. they visited them in the hospital. Or yeah, they, their wed- they, they, this is ministry. They yeah. officiated their wedding. They were there when their yeah. child was born. They have connection. And so they're not cutting it for that job. So remember that the congregation, mm-hmm. somebody loves these people. Yeah. And you're going to have to really minister to people when they leave. Second thing is be as fair as you can. I mean, I haven't been like, you're out. I've said to other people like, hey, We've come to the end of the road. I want to give you six months to look. Um, I, I, the kingdom of God is not going to be ruined if you take six months, as long as your attitude is good. Come on. We want to help you yeah. land on your feet. Others, I've said, hey, instead of firing you, do you want to quit and resign? And then on your resume, you could say you quit rather than you were fired. It would just it would just look good, better for you. Mm-hmm. Um, just try to be gracious. We try to give good severance. Um you know, where we give a couple months severance to somebody mm-hmm. to help them land on their feet. We try not to fire people at Christmas. Yeah. You know, we just, you, you, remember, you're not a business. You're not corporate. You're not going into Twitter and saying 25% of the people are going to fire. You know, you're yeah, not yeah. doing that. You're a church. You're, there's a family component to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you want to fire fair and you want to help them land on their feet you want to tell them, I always try to tell people what they're good at. Sure. Here's what you're good at. And then I just want to say this because I thought of it. If somebody's fired and it's a really, really bad situation and you think they're going to attack your church, what I've done, this is gold right now if you're listening, I write them a letter of why they were fired and put everything in that letter and give that to them. Hmm. Okay, so imagine sure. I 
fire, let's say a name of nobody that is Zebedee. Zebedee, I fire Zebedee. We've never we had just a Zebedee. Hired one. We've ne- we have not. We, so we have Zebedee. And I fire Zebedee, and Zebedee is going to split the church, and he's so angry, and he's mad, and he thinks it's unjust. Well, in Zebedee's termination letter, I list all the things and the reasons why. And then Zebedee goes out and says, Pastor Rob's a loser, fired me for no reason. And then Zebedee's friend calls me. And Zebedee's friend says, I can't believe you fired Zebedee. That's terrible. We're quitting the church. And I say, let me just ask you this. Did Zebedee, did he show you the letter? What letter? I gave him a letter as to why he was fired. If you bring in that copy of that letter, that will give you permission to talk to me about why Zebedee was fired. But go ahead and ask if you can read the letter. Mm. And Zebedee doesn't want them to read the letter. But you know what they do? They they call Zebedee and they say, hey, I want to read the letter. That letter's garbage. What does that do? Now make some questions, Zebedee. Uh Uh-oh, maybe my pastor's not so bad after all because Zebedee won't let me read the letter. What's in the letter? And it takes it away from me and on to Zebedee. And okay, now they can disagree with what's in the letter. Sure. Which it's been fun to say Zebedee this many times. Zippity doodah, Zebedee. Well, we we will never know. That letter is going to help. Yeah, we will never know what's in the letter to Zebedee, but you've said Zebedee way more times than maybe you have in your entire life. I feel sorry if we hire a Zebedee. Yes, but- I think this has been a helpful episode for a lot of people. Hiring, firing, there's, again, firing is very hard. And so uh, any last last word for people as they... Yeah, just know this. The easiest uh, firings are when people have made really, really gross like sure. sins or, and it's, it rips your guts out. Yeah. It's terrible. The simplest decision it's to make, the not simplest, the easiest. Yes, yeah. it's the simplest because they had to go. Yeah. This is clear. It's tougher when it's they just couldn't do the job to the level you needed them to do. Yeah, yeah. Those are the toughest. Be extra gracious there. And then when it comes to hiring, um, man, ask God to bring you people. Ask God, just pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest. Mm-hmm. Uh, pray for those people. Pray them in. Yeah. Pray them in because you can't pay them in probably. So pray them in <laughs> Come on, if you can't pay word. them in. Yeah, yeah, that's good. What a way to end. Pray them in, not pay them in. So good. Thanks so much. We'll be back soon.